0: Today's program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn, New American Cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit TabardInn.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Welcome to Fermentabad on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
2: I'm Mary Isette.
1: And I'm Chris Kuzmi.
2: And we're your co hosts for this show on All Things Fermented with an emphasis on homebrewing. Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
1: And archived on iTunes and Stitcher and on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Mary, what's going on? Happy
2: December, first of all. Can you believe it?
1: No, no, I cannot. I know it happens every year, but I'm not, you know not ready for it.
2: What's happening this week? We've got two events that we're looking forward to. The first is on <laughs> Thursday at the Brooklyn Brewery. It's the New York City Brewers Guild New New York City Beer Week fundraiser. So New York City Beer Week is scheduled for February of next year? February
1: 21st to March 2nd and uh, we're starting off with a giant party at uh, Grand Central Terminal in at Vanderbilt Hall, and so this fundraiser is really important for us as a guild, and it's our first time doing something on this magnitude. We think it's going to be really great, really fun, iconic New York. I'm working with uh, uh, Metropolitan Transit Museum or uh, th- with the MTA um, to get musicians uh, from their program, Music Underneath New York. I'm really excited about that. Um, so, like scattered across the place, will be you know not only awesome beers from 30 different breweries, um, but like. Uh, Different street musicians that we all have seen down there. It's gonna be really fun. Yep.
2: So but tickets. T- t- yeah, exactly. So this Thursday <laughs> is the fundraiser, and a lot of the New York City breweries are um, will be pouring some very rare and unusual beers. It's definitely going to be worth the forty dollar ticket. Again, it's at the Brooklyn Brewery. I believe. What time does it start?
1: Seven o'clock. Seven and to ten.
2: We have the link on our website. If you click on click on last week's show, which was the kombucha show, um, I have a link to the New York City Brewers Guild. Uh, to the fundraiser where you can buy your tickets, and we'll also post one on with tonight's show, but that might not be posted till tomorrow or or the next day or so, depending how much time I get.
1: If you go to Brooklyn Brewery's website or NYC Brewers Guild um, or NewYorkCityBrewersGuild.com, uh, go to the events calendars, you can find these events and a link, quick link to it. We're just over half sold. Uh, please come, and if you can't come, buy tickets for Friends. If you hate beer, buy a ticket for Friends, because okay. we need the fundraiser.
2: And just... You know, keep in mind the New York City Brewers Guild is a not-for-profit organization. So all of this is is not-for-profit. It's for the good of the craft beer community in New York City.
1: What else is happening, Mary?
2: On Sunday, we have our Chocolate and Spice Home Fermentation Festival that we are putting on with Divine Chocolate at Jimmy's number 43. So we actually had the, the deadline to enter was November 29th. But you know what? We're still taking entries. So if you have something either fermented with Divine Chocolate or... Something fermented um, that you made with a spice, please. You know, feel free to sign up on our Google Doc and come on by. There is no admission fee if you are sharing something that you have fermented. It can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic, food or beverage. And again, that's this Sunday at Jimmy's Number Forty Three from one to four. Is it four or five?
1: One to four.
2: One to four. So we'll see you guys there. So <clears throat> since it's now December, it's definitely chilled down here in New York City. What is that? have us homebrewers thinking about maybe christmas beers winter beers so in our studio we have two of our favorite homebrewers in new york city mr john nagley hello and mr phil clark hello, Mary. and
1: chris john. hi <laughs> your, change your microphone so it goes towards your mouth <laughs> <laughs> that, that was gross i'm glad uh, that was making slightly
2: yep that's true um <clears throat> so
1: you do have a face for radio. Before
2: we <laughs> launch into a discussion on winter and uh, holiday beers, first of all, congratulations, Phil, on opening the your new business, your new venture, which is the Westchester Homebrew Emporium.
3: Thank you very much.
2: So where is it exactly located?
3: It's located in New Rochelle on North Avenue, right across from City Hall, in fact. Uh, it's been a fun adventure putting this thing together, but it took well, close to a year to do it, we're finally open.
2: And when did you guys officially open?
3: Our first day was Halloween. It was, should have been a few days earlier, but I came down with pink eye, and I didn't want to give that to the customers, so we held off the mm-hmm. Halloween. Probably wise. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but the funny thing is, uh,
1: it boils out. As long as it's hot side, you know it's cool. No, but it was funny.
3: But <laughs> three hours after, three hours after uh, I closed shop for the first day, I was in the hospital with meningitis. That was not fun. So pink eye doesn't really. Count. Play a big part in my <laughs> life right now. Right. Well, we're glad you're out of that. Thank well, you very that. much. Yes.
2: You're back, and you're full service. So you stock. Yes. Are you stocking kits as well as supplies right we're, now?
3: We have everything uh, from the basic brewing kits. We have recipe kits. We also have everything loose. So from beginner to expert, we have everything.
4: Great. Uh, and they have wine kits too.
3: Yes, we Didn't have wine kits. Didn't you know that? Yes. Oh. Well. <laughs> This is this is a, a beer webcast. I really don't.
2: Oh know. no, we're no, all no, things no. fermented. We got wine fermenters out there too. It's just
1: from people who and have had a focus more
3: what? So well, well, in, in that case, we also have cheese kits for those who want awesome. to make cheese.
1: Awesome. Anything fermentable.
3: If anything and everything to keep you in the kitchen for you know on these cold days when you don't want to go outside and shovel the walk.
1: That's right. Are you going to have any classes or, or think things of the like in the, we in the store? We plan on
3: doing that after the new year. The problem is the shop isn't really big enough right. for classes, but I'm using uh, induction burners now for the first time. Yep. And with those, we can possibly do classes. I hope to do them in January. we, 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 do, we have to look into the logistics of it. Right. It's very cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, how, how did the idea spark for you? I mean, you're... So let me tell a story about Phil Clark real quick. When I first started homebrewing in 2001, you know, I was uh, I was at work and I got really addicted to. to I, I had only had one batch in in the fermenter and I was freaking out about what what's going on. I came became instantly addicted to that feeling. You know, I did the brewing side and I had to leave it leave it alone, let it do. I'm and I'm at work and I'm looking at different homebrew sites and and people in New York City, the New York City community, and this. Name kept coming up, Phil Clark. You know, blue ribbon here, blue ribbon there, and and I, I think a Scotch ale you'd won it. Uh, I heard
3: he was a god at
1: the time. <laughs> And then I found out that he's from this club called the New York City Home Brewers Guild. And and then you know I find out that this club meets on the third Tuesday of every month. And I look at the clock and we we'll go, or I look at the date and it's the third Tuesday of the month. And and uh, and then. It meets at 7.30, At 6.30, I'm, and I just packed up my stuff, and I ran out the door, and I went to the New York City Homebrew School. I walk in the front door, and this, this uh, crazy guy is like, hi, I'm Phil Clark. Are you here for the meeting? And you came from my, from my hero to my friend in, in an hour. It was awesome.
3: I should say as your hero, just so you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: A lot of people still consider me the hero after all these years. After all these years. And, <laughs> and you should be on that list.
1: But at that time, there were no homebrew stores in, in the neighborhood or in this, in this area, and so I think it's really cool that, you find that you've, you've done that.
3: It took yeah. it took a bit of time to do that, and it was funny because uh, my wife, Janet, uh, long story short, she lost contact with a lot of her relatives, and in the last two or three years, she met a long-lost cousin, and it turned out uh, that this guy runs the largest chain of homebrew stores in the Northeast, actually in the country. He has four stores. His name is Roger Savoy. He owns the homebrew Emporium chain, and... She met up with him and said, like, Roger, I said, name sounds familiar. Because you know, Homebrew and was Yeah, I think so. He's my cousin. So that's how we, we got to know each other. And over time, we were talking. And we, The idea of a homebrew shop down in Westchester seemed to be a good idea. His other shops were between Albany and Boston. So the fifth shop opened up in Westchester County. And that's where we are right now. That's awesome. Awesome.
1: But yeah. notably, that, I mean, it's, I, I love this but you're still brewing and doing a lot and when I think of what you brew, I think of kind of big warming beers like Scott Gel has long been a specialty of yours, and you just got back to brewing a Rausch beer as well. And when I think of Christmas, and when I think of December, and I think of holidays, I think of these kind of kind of beers as well as spiced beers, which John Nagley has done quite a bit of. Oh yeah. So it's interesting that the
3: dichotomy of you guys—we haven't gotten started yet—but let's start it now. Yeah. You don't like Christmas beers, Phil? I don't like this Christmas spice beers. I don't like cinnamon or nutmeg in the beers. But when I think of christmas beers there's also the big malty beers you mentioned the scotch ale um i brewed that for the first time in probably three years because it's such a big beer but you have to ferment it cold Mm -hmm. and i'm doing that now and i have five gallons of it i'm ready to rack into secondary and it's been chugging along nicely around 62 degrees i'm very happy with that i couldn't do that in my apartment for all these years
1: and you have it in the basement you have it in a basement.
3: Uh, it's not in the basement. It's in the back of the shop right now. It's in a cold, a cold corner, where I can do that. And the Roush beer I made one yesterday. Uh, teaching a class at the Botanical Gardens, and that's fermenting right now at about 55 degrees in another cold corner of the, of the shop.
2: So the Roush beer you're using, ale yeast or lager yeast? Right? I'm
3: using lager yeast. Using for this. lager, so yeah, a true
2: Rausch beer. It's
3: definitely I was I would I would not make this beer with an ale yeast because a roush beer is as a lager. And every, anything I make is pretty much traditional. I don't like to change things up too much. <clears throat> the exception of the scotch shell because mine is just so it's Imperial Scotch Ale. <laughs> it's a double Imperial Scotch yeah. Ale. <laughs> okay, yeah.
4: That's why I never grade it highly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but it does really well in competition. People a, like a it because it's... a fabulous
4: beer. It's a fabulous beer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a Scotch Ale.
3: It's a weapons-grade <laughs> Scotch Ale. <laughs> I'll give you that. And you can, yes. yes.
2: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about... So people that want to brew a Scotch Ale but maybe never have before, what do you consider kind of the, the essential...
1: Characteristics?
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, there's several. De- I mean, there's all kinds of degrees of Scotch ale. So, well, what do you suggest to people when they're thinking about, you know, trying well, to brew a Scotch ale? Well, there's different
3: levels of Scottish ales, mm-hmm. and they're all the the little brother of the Scotch. The Scotch ale is the holy grail of Scottish beers because they're just that big, and making them that big makes them harder. But the big thing is you have to ferment them kind of cold. Uh, Scottish yeast likes it in the low sixties. This way, because the, the the beer itself is just, is clean. There's no esters at all in mm-hmm. it. It's just malt.
2: So you're basically mm-hmm. fermenting cold to suppress the ester production, ester, exactly. any phenolic production yes. as well. If there's, mm-hmm. if there's
3: esters in it, there's a problem with that beer. And that's the way I feel about it. And what, I've made sixty shillings Scottish ales, which are about two percent alcohol, and then there's my wee heavy, that's about ten and a half percent alcohol, and that all of them are supposed to be done clean. No esters, and that's if you put esters in it, you know what? There's a problem with that beer.
4: Now, all of them should ferment cold or just they should
3: all ferment cold. To, to again, no esters in the beer, it should be just all you're tasting is malt, mm-hmm. crystal malt, a little bit of smoke, and that's you know, it's a little bit of chocolate, maybe, and that's about it.
2: So, when you're doing a smaller um, Scottish ale. With a lower ABV, maybe under any of the ones that are under five percent, mm-hmm. and you're fermenting cold, somewhere between fifty-nine to sixty-two. What? How often? That's always going to be a slower fermentation. It's going to take a little bit longer to make. It's not though. really
3: that much slower because the yeast from Scottish ale yeast ferments cold.
2: So it thrives it's, in that environment. It's almost
3: a, yes, it's almost a lager yeast. In the sense that, again, sixty-two to sixty-five degrees is. Perfect, perfect. for it. Okay. Anything more than that, I, I switch over to Irish ale yeast because I like using it. that's a very versatile yeast. Mm-hmm. I like using it.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good point though. I mean, there there are people that, are there are a lot of brewpubs who will use a Cal ale yeast and an American ale yeast, and they'll they'll do it at a lower temperature. It'll still mm-hmm. work at that temperature, but if you're using that, it's going to take longer to do it, as opposed to exact. to a Scottish uh, ale. California ale thing.
3: yeast is a great yeast. Because if you ferment it at sixty-two degrees, sixty-five degrees, sixty-eight degrees, seventy-two degrees, you have a different beer. Right. It's like right. it's a Jekyll and hide yeast. In fact, whatever temperature it is, it's a, you have a different product. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So again, more, for those of you out here who are newer to home brewing, at higher temperatures, you're going to likely get more esters and more phenols, so more fruit flavors, maybe some spice characteristics, depending what the you know what type of yeast that you're you're you're, um, using as well as what kind of, you know, malt Mm -hmm. base you're using. And it'll ferment faster. Right, and you'll get a faster fermentation. um, Whereas if you're fermenting at cooler temperatures you're going to suppress that that ester and, you know, that fruity fruity quality. But if
3: if you're making something as big as a a, a wee heavy, a strong scotch ale, you don't want to rush it. If you rush it, you get so many things in it that should not be there. That's why I, f- I like to ferment it. That's why I haven't made it in so many years. My beer refrigerator died years ago. I couldn't do it. If I did it at 70 degrees, it would be a completely different beer. I yeah, would not be yeah, happy with be it. You'd yeah. be an old ale instead. Exactly. Yeah. Or a baldy wine. A so
2: how, how, how long do you expect your fermentation take for this Big Daddy? And what's your expected A B B?
3: Uh, my primary fermentation will probably be about 10 days. The secondary, I'm going to let it go for probably two months before I bottle it. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to let it prime in the bottles, warm, 70 degrees being warm, for maybe a week or two. And then I'm going to chill it down again.
2: In the bottle? Yes. So you're going to basically lager your bottles to yes, some degree?
3: exactly. Okay.
2: And that, that's to give them more of like, a, again, smooth them out.
3: Smoothness. So you don't want any esters. You want just to be, essentially what you want with a, with a good Scotch ale is malt. You want nothing else.
1: Here's another interesting thing for both of you. Uh, one person has moved on a little bit, but both of you, when I met you, were all extract brewers. So you said you hadn't made this recipe in three years. Did you? Is it extract now? When did you move to? To uh, I mean, sorry, to all grain.
3: Um, I brewed all. I started brewing all grain several years ago when I tried going uh, commercial as a brewer, and I, I for about a year I was brewing in different brew pubs and breweries and of course you have to brew extract Uh, i had to brew all grain rather i'm sorry Mm -hmm. you can't brew extract commercially it's too expensive but uh i found out that my my wee heavy could not be i couldn't brew a five gallon batch of that at home because it was too much grain to fit into my mash ton right i figured it out it was about 24 pounds of grain and that couldn't fit into a 10 gallon of glue cooler so I kind of stopped doing that one. I, that's probably why I couldn't brew it because I was brewing all grain. I, I couldn't do that one; it right. was too big. Right.
2: Let's um, actually. On that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back in a couple minutes. Please stay tuned for more um, for more ideas on brewing winter and holiday ales.
1: man about it.
0: Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. following program has been brought to you by tabard Inn. tabard Inn, washington dc's quintessential small hotel is located on a quiet tree-lined street just five blocks from the white house vibrant yet unassuming the tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms each unique in character and design Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com.
2: Welcome back to Foment About (laughs) It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So we're joining the studio today with Phil Clark and John Nagley, and we're chatting about Brewing winter and holiday beverages. I shouldn't restrict it to beer because hopefully we'll get to something else after a uh, while. I think we
1: will because uh, John Negley, yeah, you I keep, keep f- I did pouring all sorts of awesome stuff. Mary's birthday was on Saturday, by the way. Happy birthday! And uh, hey, happy birthday! You brought a tawny port. I think of winter when it when oh, it. Oh man, that was port. delicious. I so, did have
2: a sip. Let's
1: let's go away from beer for a brief moment. How would you make your tawny port?
4: A homebrew kit, literally a three-gallon port kit that I made. I think it was two thousand five. Might have been 2007. I took two liters, put it in a three liter glass container, closed the container, hit it, and recently rediscovered it. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: Once it was delicious. Trying, it was very trying. smooth. And everybody. Who so you? He poured it at, at my birthday party, and there were people who had never met you before that were just like, "Hey, did you have this guy's port? Home home port? It's awesome!" So
4: it, it's yeah, five or seven years old. So you know, it, uh, these
1: are for the patient home Oh yeah, you know. oh yeah. But don't worry. But a
2: small batch. Come on, yeah. But you can just you just imagine in six or seven years when you pull that out at some holiday party. Mm-hmm. And share yep. it. I wow. mean, it's, yeah. it was worth it
1: for Mary's twenty eighth birthday. Yep, yep. <laughs> seven Excellent. years from now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what? So John Nagley, what do you think about when you think about holiday and winter beers?
4: I think of big beers. I think of beers that are interestingly spiced or fruited, and I brew mine the year before. So I'm next week going to be brewing my two thousand fourteen. Christmas beer, because I think a Christmas beer, especially if it's got plenty of adjuncts in it, needs time for the flavors to get acquainted one year.
2: So what did you have, what were you pouring last year? Because I remember having it, and it was a blend, wasn't it? Okay,
4: yeah, that was a uh, braggart, a blackberry mead and a Saison braggot.
2: Now, did you um, ferment the blackberry mead separate?
4: Yes, two separate fermentations. And uh, sometime in the summer, June or July, I put the two of them together, and that sat for several months before I bottled it.
2: Okay, so you put them together in a carboy. let mm-hmm. them kind of get used to each yeah, other. Get, yeah,
4: get acquainted for a, six months, four months.
2: And then what do you have? What do you have coming out this year? This year,
4: okay, this year is a black saison with, uh, let's see, with buckwheat honey and figs and black figs. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: And how, what kind of um, – talk, talk, tell us a little bit about how you added – when and how you added the honey and the figs. Okay. The, and in what form? I mean, obviously the honey.
4: Okay, yeah. All I'm right. I'm going to guess
2: it's fresh honey. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, let's see. It was – on brew day, I sliced up – there was dried figs, sliced up the dried figs, added it to the – let's call it the brew kettle when it was about 170 degrees – Let it sit for a few minutes, and then that all went into primary fermentation. Okay. And into secondary fermentation, I put three pounds of honey and then racked the beer on top of it.
2: Aha. And
4: that was, and then that sat
1: for eight or nine months before I bottled it. And then. You racked on top of it, and I uh, just kind of shook it or stirred it or just kind of trusted mm-hmm. that whatever yeast was left in suspension would, would act, act up and have it, and you'd mm-hmm. keep the RMI Oh, I, in. I, I made sure I racked some
4: yeast, too, so mm-hmm. that, because I knew I was going to be doing it. So
2: just your tube like the yeah, yeast tube right, at the bottom, right? With okay. the cane,
4: with the racking cane, just mm-hmm. rousted that, and you can see some coming through.
2: And what have been some of your other favorites over the years that you've made?
4: Oh, I did a mold cider and mold mead. So, I mean, and Christmas beers, Christmas spices, if you will, you know, cinnamon, nutmeg, coriander, juniper, cardamom, orange
1: peel, lemon peel. So yeah. Now, when when you're using spices, I've noticed, especially if you're using combo spices, things have different shelf lives. Different spices will have different shelf lives. So the blend that you have, when you first do it, can sometimes change and they'll, they'll find different, you know, they'll peak... The spices will rear their heads in different right, yeah, ways over exactly the so right. if we, uh,
4: I, I my 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 hope is that the beer is fully consumed by the time that happens right <laughs> but and, and any generally, certain- generally with a Christmas beer it is because obviously from thanksgiving until you know until it's done i you know I'm bringing it everywhere I go, yeah, and uh, it gets consumed believe me
2: oh I believe it.
1: Well,
3: I believe I had John's uh, mold mead a couple mm-hmm. years back He mm-hmm. brought some to a Christmas party I had And people were very happy to taste that yeah. And retaste it and retaste <laughs> it after that And,
4: and it was funny I, I anticipated that that would be served warm it, I tried it warm, way better cold it Totally a surprise to me
3: Have either of you made a, a uh, spruce ale? I've made a spruce ale a couple of times. That's generally something I make in the late spring because I want to get the spruce tips fresh, Mm -hmm. which means you have to cut it off the tree April or May. Do you forage the New York City parks? I destroy the New York City (laughs) parks.
4: You see, that's where that's where we differ again. I he, got not, a little he preserves spruce, New York City parks.
2: <laughs> yes, spruce Save tincture. The parks.
4: Spruce tincture is what I
1: used. Yeah, I, and, I made one recently. I, I used. used tincture.
4: Uh, I used so much that people were like, "I can't drink this." Thank you. More for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved. That was one of my favorite Christmas beers. It really was.
3: Spruce it, tips are very. They're tough to do. Tough they're to tough you. to do, and it also depends on what type of spruce. Uh, if you use green spruce, it works. White spruce doesn't work. Blue spruce, you might as well just pour Lysol into your into your brewing bucket. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I generally just put like maybe an ounce, half ounce uh, when it's ten minutes of the boil. Half ounce when it's two minutes of the boil, and just just give it enough flavor. You, you want it to, to be there. You don't want it to dominate, right? Because again, ooh, you'll ooh. you'll have that Lysol beer
4: <clears throat> homebrew hint. If you're adding spruce or anything to the beer, don't use finishing hops because the finishing hops and the flavor you're adding will fight each other. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Good point. Thank you.
1: So I did it with a blonde. What base beers have you
3: done the spruce ales with? Isn't Scottish like ale. Scottish, Scottish ale. Every, everything I do, I do with a Scottish ale. It, mm-hmm. it, it is the perfect beer. It's the beer that God chose to, <laughs> to, to keep His followers happy. <laughs>
1: and uh, and you know, with that, like you know, to to what John just said, with with uh, Scottish ales, there's not any hops that are going to interfere with that spruce. You're letting that spruce exactly. showcase without slapping you in mm-hmm. the face with right. a giant, exactly. confusing uh, array of
4: Flavors. You don't need that. You don't need. You don't need another outside flavor coming in when you're doing a fruit or a spice. You don't want that. You want that to be the predominant flavor, not the hops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I think. Other, what are other kind of non-traditional holidays? So I'm thinking about what I'd like to do this holiday. I think the holiday season is a good excuse to maybe try something that you've never done before. And it doesn't have to be a traditional spiced ale or a barley wine or something big. So we have about four weeks until Christmas um, and then, what, five weeks until New Year or something like that? Three and a half weeks, I guess, till Christmas. Four and a half till New Year. What, what can you do? Well, you could kettle sour. I think a cranberry Berliner Weiss would be delicious I think we're trying right now, as well as a cranberry shortmead. So you could do a, a traditional kettle sour, or not a non traditional kettle sour, I'm not sure what we would call it at this point, that Chris and I have talked about on the show before, and then use cranberries. You could cook down some fresh cranberries and add them in secondary or probably at the end of the boil. Um, I think a cranberry shortmead would be delicious. Mm. Again, you know, that takes only about a week and a half. So a pound of honey per per gallon of water. And you could, again, do add the cranberries either at, you could actually cook them down with honey, Mm -hmm. I would think, and add them at kegging if you're going to keg. Or else you could add them, you know, when you're at the start of primary fermentation. Mm -hmm. I think a cranberry cider would also be delicious, as well as like a cinnamon short mead. There's a great book happen. called
1: Radical Brewing that thank Mary and I love. Or, or I got shout it right out to our here. Friend, uh, Randy so Mosher. That, and he has a recipe in there for a, a peppermint uh, stout. And instead wow. of using mint or actual mint, he throws a couple lifesavers in there. And it just works great. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I had a, I, I had somebody else's of it. and was inspired uh, by it. I tried I it to with say thank
4: mint. you. I have a cider at home side.
2: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Delicious. And it's so, like, that, that, come on, you. how delicious would that be at, for with Christmas dinner or, you know, Christmas Eve or any time Christmas Day mm-hmm. while you're cooking or whatever? I will say that Randy Mosher, so I did grab my trusty copy of Radical Brewing, which I might have mentioned before. It's my favorite homebrewing <laughs> book out there um, still. And anyway, Randy has the 12 beers of Christmas. So if you want inspiration, I would recommend that you browse through this. He has a, He has several more, but he has... The Caramel Quadruple, the spice Cherry Double, Saffron Triple, Christmas oh, Grew It. Traffic. Oh, yeah, saffron. Grew It. Now's the time to break out those old-school herbs and spices, <laughs> right? A little rosemary, yarrow. Come on, I'm excited. I'm going to brew this weekend. I'm excited. Honey favorite. Ginger IPA, a Crab Apple lambic Ale, Gingerbread Ale, spiced, apple, yeah, spiced Bourbon Stout, and an a- Abbey Weizen. So think about some traditional winter beers, maybe like a, d- a you know, you could do a, a mini barley wine, but some malt forward beers.
3: There's no such thing what as what a, is mini a mini barley wine. Mini barley wine is <laughs> also the gravity of 1090, no, as no, far no, as, no. as <laughs> I concerned. And that's <laughs>
4: like, a pale ale, isn't it?
3: That's a pale no, ale. No, I to think make. what
2: if you could do? What if you did a dark but very malty beer that wasn't didn't quite fit in the Scottish ale category? Okay, I
3: take smoke brew it, out it, out of it now,
4: let it sit for 12 months, and serve it next next year. That's true. That's true. Brew the brew the big beer and let it sit.
2: But I see also stouts and porters, right? Brew up. You could brew a you know a small dry stout easily, or a traditional porter, or even a dark mild.
4: Cranberry porter.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Or um, you know what else are some fun? What if you what kind of eggnog beer do you think? Rosemary you could do? vanilla porter. Yeah, that sounds. Well, one delicious. thing
3: I, I about ten years ago I brewed a a Santa Claus clone. Came from the book Clone Brews, and I think I drank the last bottle this year. <laughs> so,
2: so what I, was the ABV on that? Because I know Santa <laughs> Claus is kind of ranged over well, the years. Well, Santa
3: Claus is about fourteen percent. Mine was about eleven, but I'm thinking maybe it's time to do that again. Again, it's a star side of the lager. That was an incredible. And I, uh, at my Christmas party, and if you're not invited, don't show up at my door. I don't want (laughs) you there. But I would actually serve, I would do vertical, uh, horizontal tastings, rather. And I would bring out bottles of Simon Claus going as far back as the 80s, and just put out four or five of them. And then one of them would be mine that I brewed eight, ten years ago. And people just, it worked. It was a Mm -hmm. great Contribution to this tasting, mm-hmm. but I think it's time that I should. I, that's one thing I want to do. I want to start going back to the ones I did years ago that I haven't done yet. And the Santa Claus is something. It's not my recipe. It came from the Book Clone Brews with Tess Our, and Mark. Tess yep. and Mark. I recommend anyone who wants to brew commercial beers on a small scale pick up this book. That is a very good book. Yeah, yeah. but the, especially
2: but, a tricky beer like that. Um, yeah,
3: but I think I, like I think book. I think everyone here has had that beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has had the the cloned copy mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. made, and it works. It's a killer beer. So I think it's time that I make it again. And have let it lager over. That, to. That's a, a year from now. Is yeah, probably. I'll make it now and I'll you serve break it, it out. Break out the first bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, I'll serve it so next that,
4: year again.
3: Back to the point,
4: the Christmas beers are beers that you really do need to let sit. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't make them soon. Well, the big ones. You, yeah. The, well.
1: That's, Christmas what, that's beers. what emotes Christmas to these people. <laughs> I know, I know. About. But we live well, in a that, cold climate. That's, you know, that's where Christmas
4: beers are. Christmas beers have traditionally been just bigger yeah. beers of whatever else the brewery is doing. It's a little bit more malt. Or if you want to call it in, you know, let's conserve. Let's conserve water. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, conserve water. The higher concentration. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so good luck to all of you um, in your, if you're doing some holiday and or Christmas brewing, either for this year or next year. We'd love to hear from you. Please comment on, um, I'll get the show posted up either tonight or tomorrow. Please comment or reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys are brewing. So thanks again to Phil Clark and John Nagley, our guests tonight, and Chris Kuzme. Oh, shit.
1: Feminate <laughs> about it. Check out Homebrew Emporium of Westchester.
3: We could say shit. You could oh, say yeah. shit. You yeah. can. If I Curse knew that. Holy motherfucker! About, about it over
1: here. Hey.
0: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website,